holiday season, treat yourself. Treat yourself to candy. Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. This is Arscast Extra. Hello there and welcome to another Arscast Extra, as always with James from Gunnerblog. Buenos dias, James. Indeed, buenos dias to you. Yes, you're uh, transcontinental this week. You're in Spain. <laughs> I am. I'm in, well, Mallorca, in fact. Yeah, that's um, part of Spain. Spain. Yeah, no, it still counts. It still counts. Um, yeah, I'm here visiting some family. Uh, it's lovely. Really nice. Although storms forecast for the next week. So yeah. we'll see how we go. Lovely s- summer weather, of course. Yeah, indeed. Uh, speaking of storms and all that kind of stuff, uh, <laughs> there's the small matter of the North London derby that took place on, on Saturday. A 1-1 draw with Spurs. Disappointing 1-1 draw, all things considered. Mm. Um, I, I don't quite know where to start with this game because we could talk about the result, we could talk about the performance, we could talk about the injuries, and it seems to have created a... Uh, well, I don't know what the right word is. The reaction to it hasn't been overwhelmingly positive, as you would expect. Um, yeah. But I get the sense that this is not simply to do with Spurs, even though obviously that's a factor. Uh, you know, I think another 1-1 draw or another draw with a couple of injuries thrown in on top of a not entirely unconvincing performance um, w- would have provoked much the same reaction but for me this was a game that Arsenal should have won because uh, in terms of possession in terms of uh, territory I think we pretty much dominated the game what was disappointing was a that we we didn't manage to turn that possession into real clear-cut chances and secondly the old downfall once again where we gifted the opposition a goal yeah I think you know everyone's feeling a little bit down on it you'd, you'd, you'd kind of expect that after a, a late equaliser, it might spirits might be quite buoyant, but mm. I think we kind of needed a win really to make our start to the season look that bit healthier. Um, what is it? Two wins from six in the league now, I think. Yeah, four uh, times we've gone behind uh, and come back. Yeah, so. I mean, you know, still unbeaten, but I mean, it, it the draws cost you in the end. I think you know, ultimately, being unbeaten is a good thing, healthy for for morale shows we're resilient but dropping these two points time after time is going to you know it's going to matter when when you know when the when the league table is all added up at the end of the season and mm. i think this derby particularly felt like when we should win spurs aren't in a great place um you know they've got a new manager they're still getting used to his style of play they'd lost to west brom the week before they've put in some some really dodgy performances this season and it felt like a, a match we should have had enough to go and win really and I think going behind is so crucial you know we dominated the game 
uh, we, we, you know, we played with a measure of patience. But then, as soon as you concede a goal as sloppily as we did, you're on the back foot and trying to trying to save it, retrieve mm. it, which is a massive hill to climb. What's your take on the goal? Because um, a lot of people suggested that Chesney should have not thrown the ball out so quickly. Mm. Um, others that. Well, my feeling is that it was a bread and butter piece of uh, football for for Flamini to deal with. It was a pass. Um, he took his eye off the ball. He wasn't aware that Ericsson was anywhere near him. He got bundled off the ball by by Ericsson, who's not exactly an enforcer of any kind. No. Um, and I, my feeling is that, that that's the way we play and have played like that for as long as I can remember uh, under Arsene Wenger is that we move the ball quickly out of... Um, out of defence, uh, particularly when they were pushing men um, up the field because it was a it was a set piece. So I don't know. What, what, what's your thoughts on that? Well, I think the Chesney thing is worth mentioning just because I, it's been a bit of a worrying trend for me in the early portion of the season. His distribution's been a little bit questionable, and I think at certain times he, he seems very hurried uh, to get the ball out. I mean, you almost wonder if he's under instruction about that. Well, yeah, that uh, could well be it, couldn't it? Yeah. Because he does it so repetitively, you think if the manager had a big issue with it, surely he would have come down like a ton, ton of bricks by now. Because mm. you know that kind of systematic decision making does suggest maybe it's a strategic thing. Maybe it's something Arsene asked him to do. As for Flamini, I agree it was a, a big error, and it actually reminded me: was there not a similar one at the Etihad last season where he was dispossessed? I, I can't remember in the six-three. I seem to remember something about him playing a poor pass or yeah, taking yeah. a heavy touch yeah. uh, just on the edge of his own box. So it's something we've seen before and he's not had a great start to the season, has he? Because you could question him on Manchester City's goal at the Emirates a few weeks ago when he, he didn't quite track Sergio Aguero. Um, so a couple of costly errors already for Flamini and that will do little to dampen the calls for a new defensive midfielder. Yeah, but I mean, obviously that that's not something we can deal with... Um... You know, in the very short term, particularly because uh, Mikel Arteta is out injured. He picked up an injury um, uh, on Saturday, a calf injury. Aaron Ramsey with a hamstring injury. Jack Wilshire with an ankle injury. So the midfield options that we have, and and thankfully we do have options, um, are going to be put to the test. Um, I mean, he doesn't have any choice but to play Flamini as that central midfielder people uh, suggested to him that perhaps Chambers might play there but he said I can't I've only got four defenders as if that was well some kind of surprise or <laughs> or, or restriction that had been placed upon him by outside forces uh, so I think it's got to be Flamini either that or he dips right into the into the youth and, and uses Hayden who's um, although he's played at centre half is is a defensive midfield player well, what about uh, Coughlin? Would you consider Coughlin? Coughlin, yeah, I guess he could um, He could do that, but again... It's difficult to see him starting ahead of Flamini, isn't it? Yeah, maybe. Maybe, but I mean, I think it all depends on how the manager views Flamini's form or how, or how much faith he has in, in Flamini, which I think is obviously uh, enough for him to start uh, against Galatasaray um, and probably against Chelsea because he'll want his, uh, he'll want his experience in there. But, um, yeah... Yeah. What what did you make of the team selection? Team selection. Yeah. I was very surprised that Alexis didn't start, I yeah. have to say. Um, yeah, a, a bit baffled, to be honest, because he's he's been one of the bright sparks, hasn't he, in the early portion of the season. And top scorer with four goals, capable of doing something out of nothing. There were all those stories in the week before about 
his level of application in training, how up for the game he was. And then for him to not be included, I thought was very odd. What did you What did you make of it? I, I thought it was odd as well. You know, I, I'll, I'll caveat this by saying I thought Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain played really well. And that was one of the bright spots of last weekend for me was uh, Oxlade-Chamberlain. Uh, obviously the goal, but I just thought the way he played, the positive way he played was, was really promising. But if it were me, I would have chosen uh, Cazorla uh, on the left, Alexis on the right, Ozil in the middle. I would have left um, Jack Wilshire on the bench, uh, played Arteta and Ramsey, and, and just gone with the, the system that worked against... Aston Villa so well I mean it's weird isn't it because it did work against Aston Villa we looked in those moments uh, decisive and threatening uh, when we had the chance to to uh, to make the most of that system and you know given the way they started the season um, you wouldn't have said that Spurs were a more threatening prospect than Aston Villa so Mm. why the why the need to change um, and it's confusing because you get the accusations that Arsene Wenger doesn't do tactics. Um, but clearly this was a tactical decision on his part. He thought this was the best way to go about winning the game. Turns out it wasn't right. Um, I know he's a little bit how we were hamstrung by the injuries that we had because you've got uh, attacking players that you can't then bring on because you've got to replace the midfielders. But I just found it really odd that, you know, this could have been a game where we played that system again. Um, I think against that Tottenham team, it would have worked. Um, and then you start to get a, a a confidence in the team and a confidence with the way that we're playing and with the way that we're set up in in that manner. Um, I mean, the, the, he said that the four one four one formation was because he wanted us to be a bit more solid in in big games. But if we can't be more solid in regular games, how is that going to apply to you know Sunday, for example? Yeah, I mean, it doesn't fill me with loads of confidence. It is strange, and he does seem to be tinkering with the team and with the way he sets up his team more than we've ever seen before. And it's odd because for a long time people criticised Arsene Wenger for for not being flexible enough in his tactics. Now he almost seems too loose. He doesn't seem to know, you know, quite what his best eleven is. And um, I, I thought against Aston Villa, we stumbled upon something that really worked, and two. Uh, reject that in the next Premier League game. Very, very strange. And as well as Oxlade-Chamberlain played, I do think uh, Alexis could probably have contributed just as much over the 90 minutes. And also there's nothing that precludes you potentially from playing both. Um, And and I think uh, that was a particularly baffling decision because the guy's been great. I mean, I have, you know, did you, I mean, Tim Stillman did a column for askblog.com about... uh, Alexis, I believe, and about his ball retention, and hmm. you know, he, he spoke about being uh, the difficulty of, you know, finding room for both Alexis's style and Özil's style. Özil's much more of this continuity player. Alexis is someone who who will give away the ball because he'll try things that much harder. And one wonders if maybe that could be counting against him in terms of selection. Um, hmm. I, but I maybe theories there. Well, maybe the way to deal with that is to use Ozil and Alexis in a way that gets the best out of out of both of them. Um, so put Alexis on the end of Ozil's passes rather than bank on Alexis being somebody who's going to do a lot in, in the build-up. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I'm... It was one of the things people said, wasn't it, when Arsenal signed him, that, you know, there are times where his passing or his ball retention or some of the decision-making isn't great, but... 
you know, I think when a guy, um, you spend £30 million on a player uh, who's got all the attributes you want in a forward uh, going into a North London derby, the the work rate, the application, he's tough, he can finish, he can take a free kick. You know, I just found it bizarre that he didn't start. Bizarre. Yeah, and I think that when he does give the ball away, it's not born of... Uh, selfish, selflessness. Uh, sorry, the selfishness or yeah. even carelessness is because he's he's got a certain courage in the way he plays and he does attempt things that are, you know, high risk but high reward. Yeah, and um, I think you need a bit of that sometimes. You know, we're as a team, we can be guilty of overplaying or you know looking to just keep the passes going. Whereas Alexis is someone who will take that gamble in the final third and if it comes off you might get yourself a goal. So I think there's plenty of room in the side for someone like that and uh, yeah, I, I really hope to see him back in ASAP. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's the thing, isn't it? It's for for Arsene Wenger to figure out what his best eleven is and how to get the best out of that uh, that group of players. And that seems to be the issue so far this season, that he hasn't, he's not sure. He can't be sure, given the way uh, he set his team up, um, about how to fit all those players into the into the team. Um, and, and that's being reflected in the results, no? I think so. I think so. I mean, how, how, how concerned are you by the start? There seems to be varying degrees. You know, there'll be some people who argue, well, we're unbeaten, it's early days, and others will point at our points tally... You know, we're down on last season for the same fixtures, I believe, and we'll be alarmed. Where where do you stand on that? Beginning to get a bit concerned, I have to say, because, um, you know, there is part of you that can look at things in a rational way and say, we've got new players, we've got a manager who's tinkering with the style, so, you know, we're not getting that fluency in our game. We've got the whole post-World Cup thing, et cetera, et cetera, you know, which affected our first month. But then, you know, some of the old habits that have been most frustrating about Arsenal are beginning to creep back into our game, this self-destruction uh, that we that we have. Um, you know, Tottenham really weren't threatening at all on Saturday, and then we gave them a goal. And that's, that's pretty much what we used to do. We know that stat about, you know, um, teams that have scored with their first shot against us. And I just wonder if these flaws are just too inherent in our game um, for, for us to be really comfortable this season. Um, it is it is a worry, I think. Uh, you know, bearing in mind we are still very early in the season. Um, I, yeah, particularly with what's coming up on Sunday, I'm, I'm quite worried. What about you? Yeah, I kind of feel the same. I kind of think a win in the derby would have put a certain sheen over our start so far. You know, yeah. it would have enabled people to feel a lot better about what's gone on. I think it would have helped morale. It would have helped our points total too. And I think having having failed to win that game, I think there's probably a well, there must be a certain degree of trepidation among all fans about next weekend where we face Chelsea. And I kind of feel like that result feels like, it, you know, it could be a pivotal one because if we get something positive there, then suddenly the picture looks a lot brighter. Um, but lose, and this won't look like a strong start at all. No. And and fixture-wise, it it was never going to be easy, you know. It, it, we went to Everton, of course. We had this derby. We had Manchester City. But uh, we'll be losing ground on, on the league leaders pretty early on in the campaign, and that's 
you know, with a Jose Mourinho side at the forefront, never easy to recover. No, and we know from seasons past that you know if if you fall too far behind early on, it becomes almost almost impossible to to catch up. Um, but you- also, as well, I think it, I think sorry to interrupt, but I just think for the mood of the fans, like um, I don't think anyone wants to feel this early on like we're just in a battle for the top four, you know, the fourth qualification place or anything mm. like that. I think the longer that we can sustain some sort of challenge, the more exciting the season is for everyone. And I think, you know, if we're going to do that, we might need to go to Stamford Bridge and, and get something. So yeah. we shall see. Mm, indeed. Uh, the injuries then. Mm. Arsene Wenger says, I, I don't understand. We've got to analyse this. Uh, Arteta didn't play in midweek against, um, who the hell was it, Southampton in the, in the Capital One yeah. Cup. Uh, Aaron Ramsey didn't, but both players have gone off with muscle strains. And look, if a guy gets a kick in the knee and gets injured or he gets tripped up like Wilshire was uh, and went over on his ankle because of the kick he got, then look, you know, that's part and parcel of the game. You've got to um, you've got to accept that, and no team goes through a season without without injuries. Um, but two muscle strains, um, to varying degrees. Some suggestion that Ramsey could be out for as much as six weeks. That looks mm. like it could be uh, a Podolski esque uh, hamstring rather than just a, a little strain. Uh, Arteta for a couple of weeks anyway. It's um, that's a real worry. Yeah, it sounds like uh, Shad Forsyth might be getting called into Arsenal's office sometime this week. Um, it's really strange, isn't it? I, I mean, perhaps it's something to do with the fact that we have changed our, our physio staff, our medical team over, and the players are being put through a process of adaptation. Maybe that slight change in preparation has had a, a disturbing effect. Maybe it's just bad luck. I, I feel like saying it's bad luck when you look at our history of problems is a little bit rich, really. It seems unlikely, statistically, that that could be the case. Mm. Um, yeah, it, it's, a, it's a big concern because already, you know, in Giroud and Debussy, we've lost two first-team starters for half a season. You know, that's a pretty significant uh, loss. And then with, with these on top, I mean, if Ramsey's as bad as you say, then that, that's another big, big blow. So... Very hard to make a uh, head nor tail of. I mean, what yeah, do you think? It can't I, be anything I, to do with with Shad, can it? No, I don't. No, I don't think it can at this point. But um, that point you made was something I said on the blog that maybe the new methods are are having an effect. But look, whatever it is, I don't believe it's bad luck. You can't you can't have this kind of a problem ongoing for such a long period of time for it to be bad luck only. Mm. There's got to be something, whether it's the training methods, the training pitches, the, the hardness of the pitch. Or the, I, I just don't know um, what it might be. Either that or we have assembled or and continue to assemble a collection of the world's most brittle footballers. <laughs> um, I, you know, I just don't know. But then you'd say the systematic problem might be in the medicals we give. You know, it's very, very hard to to understand how it's come to this. But as you say, it happens year on year to our club more so than anyone else's. Yeah, the, the stats back it up. You know, the the injury tables we're consistently up there, and uh, there must be something going on. And, and you can only hope that the changes in staff that they have made this summer will iron that out over time. Um, because it doesn't seem to have had the immediate impact we might have hoped for. No, I think it was always going to take time, but I don't yeah. I don't suppose anybody thought that in nearly every game this season we'd pick up an injury. Um you know, we we 
picked up three basically against Spurs, you know. Um, uh, so maybe the yeah, I just I don't know. It's impossible to answer, and it's one of the one of the questions people have been asking us. Um, and it's the, uh, the muscular the muscular ones are the ones, aren't they? Yeah. They shouldn't really happen. You know, they they can, but uh, if you read if you read around, if the preparation is right and the players are suitably warm, etc., the risk of those should be relatively low. Yeah. But with with us, they just seem to pop. You know, at any given point. All right. Well, look. It's like, um, like Pringles. It, it, um, once you pop, you can't stop. Mm, indeed. Mm. All right. Well, we we'll wait for our. Uh, they're disgusting, aren't they? Pringles. Do you like yeah. Pringles? I no. fucking hate Pringles. I ate them a bit, sort of when they first got big. As far as I'm aware, it's like in the I think it was the mid '90s. I think it was the novelty of crisps in a tube. Yeah, they they were at the same time as Sunny Delight. Remember? Yeah, indeed. Yeah, my insides are still recovering. But um, I Sunny Delight tasted quite like vomit, I, I seem to remember. Mm. But Pringles, I can't really eat them anymore. I ate a lot of the sort of sour cream ones, and it's kind of scarred me. Mm. I don't want to go back to that place. Yeah, I, I um, my daughter used to like them quite a lot, and you know she'd she'd hand me a couple, and I go, no, no, I don't, no, no, they're disgusting. I'm not having them. And then I'd take one, and then realise that no, I do really hate them because they taste like licking the top of a battery. Basically, <laughs> fucking disgusting. Yeah, but there you still go. Still going though. Still going. Yeah, you can't stop. People are still popping and not stopping. It's ridiculous. Won't somebody help them? Right, we're going to take a short break. We're back with some of your questions right after this. Welcome back to the Arscast Extra. Uh, just to remind you, of course, that next week's Arscast Extra will be taking place live in the mm. bar in uh, Union Chapel. Thank you to everybody who bought a ticket. Um, sorry we didn't have more. But, um, yeah. So hey, that, I mean, if it goes well, you never know. We might do more. I think we will. Yeah, pro- you know, provided it's not... Um, one of those nights after uh, next Sunday at, at Stamford Bridge. Um, maybe we should, you know, prepare a few songs or something to cheer yeah. people up. <laughs> Might need something to enliven it. No, it'll be a celebratory podcast of a famous victory, I'm yes, sure. Yes, yes. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> um, should we have a question? Yeah, let's have a question. Um, I'm going to go first, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah, sorry, just to, you know... It's your website. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Um, All right. Uh, This one comes from Carl Phillip. Uh, He's at The General, 1981. And it goes back to something Eisenmenger talked about. Um, I think it was after the Southampton game. I think it was Amy Lawrence who asked a question about Abu Dhabi playing deeper in the midfield. And he wants to know, could Dhabi be the savior to our DM problem if fit? And he's got a little quotation mark around if. And I think mm. it probably should have been around fit. But uh, <laughs> what, what, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, as ifs go. That's a, a significant if, certainly. Um, my thoughts on it are, I don't think it's a, a serious option, really. I think, you know, as, as an emergency situation, maybe. I mean, I thought it was telling that after the Spurs game, Fenger was running through his midfield options and he sort of said... Diaby's not ready to play, you know, at that kind of level, um, which I think tells you everything you need to know. You know, he's, he's not actually someone who Wenger could consider starting in the, in the Premier League or, or the Champions League. Does yet. does that surprise you? Because um, we know the cruciate injury that he got 
took place in March 2013. Yeah. And he actually made a comeback at the end of last season. I think he, he played against Norwich away. Mm-hmm. You know, only a brief cameo. But then he's had the whole summer. Um, do you think it's a case that there are ongoing issues with his fitness? Because it's not a, it's not a situation that um, we've heard about a new injury or a setback or, or anything like that. Um, do you think there are ongoing issues or is he just being super, super cautious with him? And if, if that's the case, what's the point? Yeah, I mean, I kind of feel a little bit like he's just managing him through the season, keeping him fit to give him a chance of earning a contract elsewhere come the summer. I find it very hard to see a situation where Diaby stays at Arsenal. And I think Wenger probably feels, you know, he he needs to protect the players to to protect his career now whether or not that's his responsibility is another question but you know after the Southampton game a few people did tweet this is John Grills from the Creepy Podcast with best Christmas ever on AMC Plus every day feels like Christmas morning from new holiday favorites like Elf and National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation to modern iconic family classics like the Polar Express and the Year Without a Santa Claus you can spend the holiday season opening only the good stuff Plus, you get a stocking stuffed with highly acclaimed AMC series like The Walking Dead and Mad Men. New series like Gangs of London and The Walking Dead World Beyond. And you're also getting your favorite iconic Christmas movies without having to search. AMC Plus is available on all your devices. Sign up today at amcplus.com. AMC Plus. Only the good stuff. This holiday season, treat yourself. Treat yourself to candy. Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. And I saw people saying, could he be a serious option? Uh, you know, because in some ways he's appealing, as Wenger said himself. You, you pay a lot of money to buy a player with, with some of those inherent attributes, the power Diaby's got, the skill on the ball. But playing your most injury-prone player in the most combative area of the field, you know, we saw three midfielders go down uh, against Spurs. If Diaby had been playing, it almost certainly would have been four. And I, I just... I can't foresee that happening in any serious way, really. What about yourself? Emergency only, I think. Yeah. Um, you know, it's not it's not even his natural game, is it? Um, he's no. always been a much more forward-thinking uh, uh, player and somebody who, you know, at times has operated almost as a, a second striker. Um, so for him to... To be uh, an effective defensive midfielder, I think, is is a bit of a stretch. But given the way the injuries are going, um, you know, it might be a case that we have to use him. But, you know, he's still got Flamini and he's still got Coquelin, who I suspect will probably be uh, picked ahead of Diaby should the need arise. Mm. I, I kind of agree with that. I, I kind of think even if those two went, he might even play Hector Bella in a right back and move Callum Chambers in. I just I can't see Diaby being risked to start mm. to start big games. And Alex Oxley Chamberlain's another player who I think might get a few games in the middle of the park now. Um especially as that would allow Alexis, Alexis to come in on the right hand side. So Thomas Rosicki? Yeah, Thomas Rosicki too, potentially. Although he's more comfortable further upfield, isn't he, than yeah. those deeper roles. But yeah, I I'm pleased to see Diaby playing again. 
but I, I don't foresee it happening regularly at Arsenal between now and the end of the season. But as you say, with this spate of injuries, you never know. <laughs> All right, your question. Um, okay, let's have a question. Uh, this one comes from Fotanen at Fotanen with an F. And he says, do you think Arsene's relationship with players makes them feel safe and that they subsequently don't give their best? Um, no, I don't think so. I think that to be at this uh, level of football and this level of the sport, I think you, you've got to have a, a certain amount of drive and, and self-motivation. Um, mm. I think he, he likes to create an environment without a great deal of conflict. He's not, as we know, the same kind of manager as Alex Ferguson, who ruled by by fear, by terrorizing his players. Um, that was the way that, that he did it. And Arsene Wenger, as we know, is almost the polar opposite in that he, he makes them uh, feel like, you know, they're valued. And by... By giving them confidence, he can get the best out of them because they feel, you know, they're in a good place. They're not motivated by fear. They're just, they feel good and they feel like they can do anything. Um, maybe that's not working with, with some of the players, but I don't think that it's a, it's a, an overly friendly relationship that he has with them. There's still that distance between manager and player. Yeah, there has to be because he's got to make difficult decisions and he's got to make hard decisions and decisions that certain players won't like um so no i i wouldn't have thought that's i wouldn't have thought that's the case but i do think as well that there is room for a bit of that fear and terror um at times you know yeah what do you make of for example i know after the spurs game arson was keen to emphasize that he he couldn't criticize the attitude of his players things like that i mean do you think there's any danger of a kind of comfort zone developing with that sort of thing? No, but I think he always he always says that. Um, you know, talks about the character and the mental strength, as we know. Uh, and he won't ever be hugely critical in public of, of the players. And, you know, against Spurs, even though I thought it was a game we should have won, I don't think it was a game that we necessarily played particularly badly in. Yeah. You know, I've seen us play a lot, lot worse than that. Um so, no, I don't think it was even a question of attitude from our players. I think it was just the quality of the performance and the the way that the team was, was set up didn't get the best out of the players that we had. And that yeah, comes think, back to, to the manager. And I think the crucial words you said there are in public, you know, Arsene presents a certain image of his team. And I think there's a lot of the PR that goes on, a lot of, you know, player management and media management. And I think he... He is very loath to be public in his criticism. He never wants to talk about individual players particularly negatively, and um, uh, I think that that's you know to protect his team as much as anything else. He's, he'd rather the criticism was was on him as spiky as he can be, mm. um, and I think that's good. And we don't know what goes on behind closed doors. And I'm sure that when they're warranted, uh, rollickings are are dished out. Mm. All right. Um, okay. Here's one. This one comes from. Larry Lamkin. He's oh, at yeah. Larry Lamkin. Um, okay. And he wants to know, quite simply, is the current Arsenal side worse than last season's team? Um, well, if you were to play the two against each other in some sort of fantasy, fantasy arena where some players would have to be cloned in order to facilitate that, mm -hmm. I do think that last season... 
would win currently. Uh, yes, I would definitely go with that. What about yourself? Yeah, 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 probably. Just because going back to the things that we've said about, um, you know, the, the, the style change and the players not being comfortable and the manager not knowing what his best team was. Last season, I think he knew very well what his best team was. Now, that might have been in part because he didn't have as many options. No, as he I mean, does this time more, around. It was a much more cohesive team, and you could name that first eleven pretty easily. Um, and thinking back to last season, who were the... I suppose Meza Ozil was the, the signing, really, wasn't it? And Mathieu Flamini. Yeah. But they had quite a clear role in the team. Ozil was playing through the centre with kind of a, a free role, liberated. So there wasn't a huge amount of adaptation required for him. But at the moment, with the new team we've got, we're trying to fit you know, several new players in. And also there's that slight doubt over what shape suits us best. So I just feel like the old last season's team played with greater conviction because they were more certain of, of what they were doing. Mm. Now, replay that match in six months' time and the result might be the reverse. You know, I, I do think that there's a lot of potential in, in the players that we've got at the moment and room to grow. You do. Th- just- I mean, do you think that this is a team that can, once it clicks, perform a lot better? Yeah, I do, actually. It's just the concern of how long it takes. And it, that's the job of the manager is to, you know, do that alchemy, take these ingredients and, and turn it into something quite dynamic. I mean, I think, uh, you know, I've said before, we've got the potential to be one of the most exciting attacking teams in the league when you look at the players we've got. And yes, there are some some flaws on the defensive side. We probably could do with a more, a more powerful midfield presence. But I don't think that should prohibit us from being absolutely enthralling to watch going forward and that hasn't quite happened yet Um, Could fixtures play a part in that? Because if you look at what happens after Chelsea on Sunday there's an interlull and then we come back and the the fixtures then go like this Hull City, Anderlecht away Sunderland away, Burnley at home Anderlecht at home, Swansea away Manchester United at home Dortmund at home uh, West Brom Southampton, Stoke Galatasaray, Newcastle, and then we play Liverpool on the 20th of December. So that little spell there in November, that one week where we've got Manchester United and Borussia Dortmund, that aside, you're looking at a run of fixtures in which we really should be looking to build momentum and also a a big points total. Yeah, we have to. We've got to build up a head of steam there. You know, if we're to be in the mix... So, I mean, is that the defining period of this season between, let's say, after Chelsea and up to the Liverpool game, which I think is on the... Let me just have a quick look here. Uh, It's on the 20th of December. So there's a run in which we'll know probably more about how this team is going to fare, no? I think so. I think so. Um, And tempting as it is to draw conclusions at this early stage, I think... You know, by the end of that run, we'll, we'll definitely know a lot more because you know we're about to enter October. For all the doubts over team selection and who should be where and who should be on the pitch and who shouldn't, Arsene should be starting to come to conclusions about that sort of thing by now. He's had these players for a little bit of time. He's been working with them on the training ground. He, he should know the answers to some of those questions. So that will be a very, very telling period. And I'm sure we will pick up more points and, and things will start to feel a bit better. I do think we've had a difficult start on the fixtures front. Um, 
But, you know, we will be judged on how we do in those big games. It's easy to say, set aside United, set aside Dortmund, but one of the major failings of Arsenal's teams in recent years has been their capacity to deal with elite opposition. So, Mm. you know, hopefully we'll be going into those games with a good run behind us and and might fare slightly better. All right. Okay. another question from you. Another question. Um, Okay, Liam Tullett asks, what is it that's making us concede the first goal in so many games this season? And do you think we play better when we're a goal down? Um... That's a really good question. Mm-hmm. First part, I'm not 100% sure what it is other than lack of concentration or, you know, uh, an inability to get on top of the game before they get a chance. Um, you know, we've often seen where they score with their first shot on goal after we've had, you know, a number of chances that we've missed. Yeah, it's um, the big, bigger problem that we're not getting the first goal. Yeah. I think that's what it is. I mean, there's the you can go back to the game at Stamford Bridge last season, where Giroud had a, a chance and kind of scuffed it. <laughs> yeah, that's the phone. Can you hear that? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I can hear that. All oh, right. Okay. It's been answered now. Don't worry. All right. Okay. Um, I, I could edit this out, but I'm not going to. So no. <laughs> we'll go back to the part where you know Giroud had a chance at Stamford Bridge. Um, wasn't a like a, a simple chance, but maybe the kind of chance you would expect a striker at a top club to score. He didn't. They scored. Bang, bang, bang. Uh, and off you go. Um, so I don't... I think it's more about us not getting the first goal than than them getting the first goal. Yeah, uh, but you could put that down to lack of concentration or application. And what was the second part of the question? Do we play better once once we've gone behind? Well, I think you play differently, don't you, when you're behind? You've got to because you you know you've got to chase a game, so you're a little more ambitious. You get stuck in a little more. You um, you know you're willing to take more risks. There's more energy to your game. So I, I don't think it's ideal, mm. but it changes the dynamic for the other team as well, doesn't it? I mean, yeah. they might be more inclined to sit back. You might get more of the ball. It, it changes the whole pattern of the game. So I, I do think that the issue is that maybe we're not capitalising on our on our fast starts, you know, think of the, I mean, even think of the Dortmund game, we're absolutely battered. We still could have gone ahead in that game if we'd been a bit more clinical up top. Yeah. Um, and the Manchester City match, likewise, we probably should have, on the balance of play, found a way to break through in that first 15 minutes when we were absolutely outstanding. Mm. Um, I must confess, I missed the very start of the Spurs game. How did we, how did we play in the first 20 minutes or so? Yeah, all right. I mean, we were, we were pretty much on top. Um right. You know, a lot of the ball, we started quite brightly. I'm not sure we had a great uh, many chances. Um, let me just, I'm just going to look back on the live blog here. And, it, you know, yeah, yeah, we've lots of the ball, um, but didn't didn't create any, anything really clear cut. I think Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain had a good chance um, from the edge of the box that was uh, created by Ramsey. But, you know, nothing that you would have said, right, we've, we've got to we've got to score from there. Um yeah, I mean, and certainly I think, in the second half we were better actually when Cazorla came on. The injury to Ramsey changed the shape of the team, and we were better for it. Which isn't to you know s- suggest any happiness with with Ramsey's injury or anything like that. But yeah, I mean, it's it's been a worry for a while. I think that the secret is to capitalise on that <clears throat> on those fast starts and, and turn that possession into chances because once we get ahead. We've got a team, you know, that will force the opposition to come out, and we've got a team who could be really threatening on the break. 
Um, you know, we saw at Aston Villa that we can be very, very effective away from home. And I think, you know, we need to we need to get in front and then we'll be able to build from there. Uh, you know, Liverpool were great at that last season. They always started like a house on fire, didn't they? Tearing into teams from kickoff. And once they got that goal, they then had the pace to capitalise when teams had to come at them. And I think we've got a similar collection of forwards this year who, who could do something similar. So that's really got to be the key. We need to try and turn these these positive starts into actual tangible score lines because mm. then we won't be in quite so much danger if we make a mistake as, as Flamini did. Mm. All right. Um, I think it's my turn, is it? Yeah, it is. Oh, all right. This one comes from uh, Ope Alabi, uh, whose uh, who's, uh, Twitter name is at Ope1Kenobi. Very good. Quite good. Um, he wants to know, with Wilshire uh, uh, possibly out, Arteta and Ramsey out, would you start Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain in the centre of midfield now? That is where Arsene Wenger has uh, long said that his future lies. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, is it time? I think it. I think it is. To be honest, as good as he was on, on the right wing against Tottenham, I think um, you know when you look at the the options we've got left, I think Flamini is an automatic pick, as you say. And then I think I'd be looking at Oxlade Chamberlain alongside him because he's got that athleticism, he's got that dynamism that makes him a, a you know a decent substitute for Ramsey, and. Yeah, he'd be in there for me because that allows you to then accommodate Alexis on the wing. I don't think you lose anything in that wide position by bringing him in. And I think that's the way to have the most balance. So I'd be, I'd certainly be playing him there against uh, Galatasaray Wednesday night. What about you? Yeah, I'd be, I'd be really tempted also. I think, um, I think he's at a point where he needs to start playing regularly to develop. Uh, and I think that if he does, then he can be, I think he can be a really, really good player. Um, you know, he's he's one of the only players who will have a crack from distance. Um, he's good on the ball. He's strong. He can dribble. He can do perhaps what Arsene Wenger likes Jack Wilshire to do, which is to drive forward through the midfield and create space. We saw, was it last season against Bayern? He had an incredible uh, dribble um, halfway around the pitch. You know, I think he's got he's got everything in his locker, but he doesn't have the experience. And without playing, he's never going to get it. So, yeah. You know, needs must, and I, I think uh, I think I'd be quite inclined to give him a, um, a game in there. Who was it? Someone was raving about him recently. Was it Santi Cazorla or someone of that? Or one of the players in the squad just saying uh, he can be basically as good as he wants to be. You know, he can mm. do everything, and I'm inclined to agree with that. I mean, it was a good goal we scored uh, the weekend, but like like he says, he should score more. Mm. He's got all the attributes you look for. He can shoot, he can dribble, he can run. I think uh, this could be a big, big season for him after missing so much of the last campaign. And I, I do still feel that maybe in the long term, that central position will will suit him best. Yeah, I mean, he's still, he's only just 21. So, yeah. you know, still very, very young. Um, and it's it's all ahead of him. But yeah, I mean, why not? Why not? I think, it, you know, it was, it's, it was almost getting to a point with our midfield where I was thinking, you know, just for the need to do something different that he could be an option anyway, even mm. without injuries. Mm. Let's try something a bit different to to to, uh, to add some drive to our midfield. So, yeah, now that now that the injuries have mounted up, I, I say give him a go. Cool. Uh, let's have another question. This right. is from Simon Day. Uh, I thought this was very interesting. He asks, seemingly everyone wants a new DM, but with our open attack, would someone like a Matic even make a difference? 
I don't know that much about Matic in in the sense that I haven't watched him play a great deal, you know? Sure, Um, sure, sure. uh, So I don't quite know what type of player he is. Um, I, you know... Having to watch Chelsea is like I just don't like it anyway, but I especially don't like it this season. Um, More difficult than ever. Yeah, so I watched the the Man City game, and yeah, um, that that was really the first time I've seen them. But yeah, maybe it would because I think when you play a, an open attacking game and you get your fullbacks forward, the onus is on the defensive midfielder to provide that cover. Mm. So we saw it uh, against Manchester City. Um, when our fullbacks uh, pushed forward, Flamini was caught, I think, in midfield where, was it, Fl- I think it was Flamini that the ball rebounded off, wasn't it? Um, yeah. Uh, to go out and maybe a better, faster, quicker, stronger central midfield player makes that a tackle and the ball goes out of play or he keeps the ball for Arsenal. Um, there was a moment, I think, in it could have been in that Chelsea-Man City game where Man City were pushed forward and... Uh, Chelsea looked to break and had the ball in midfield, and all of a sudden, um, one of their Fernand okay, guys yeah. came just steaming back from from where he was and, and made a tackle and that kind of stuff. So yeah, I mean, I think that player could make a difference if you insist on playing a system where your fullbacks are pushed up and therefore leave space in behind. The onus is on that central defensive midfield player to provide the cover left and right. Uh, otherwise, you get your your center house pulled out of position, and as we know, um, that that can prove costly. I mean, what's your thoughts? I mean, yeah, it's um, it's one of those situations that I think it's just going to be an ongoing story for for the rest of the season, or until we get that kind of a player in. Well, exactly, and and you know, in some ways, it's moot. We can't do anything about it now, but but I am inclined to agree with you. I think a player would make a difference in that position. I think, in fact. The way that we play makes that makes that role all the more important, um, and and obviously we hope that is something Arsene uh, addresses sooner rather than later. But for now, until January at least, uh, we've got to stick with what we got. Yeah. All right. Uh, final question then. Um, this comes from Andy. He's mm-hmm. Andy P Designer. Um, so I don't know if yeah he designs P. He designs P. P. Round and green. Yeah. Or indeed. We, because that's another word for P. Yeah. Um, I hope we're not impugning his designing skills or or, uh, anyone. I I mean, I think we have, but never mind. (laughs) If there's any potential clients out there who are looking for Andy to design something, he's ace. Yeah. Um, Be it urine or vegetables. Mm -hmm. He's He's got the lot. Yeah. Uh, But he wants to know, is a mid-90s diet of alcoholism and cocaine what's needed to sort out our injury problems? (laughs) Yeah, maybe it seemed to be. It did seem to work rather better then, didn't it? Well, yeah, we were more robust. We were, yeah. These were real men. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't remember. Did we? Well, did we have anything like as many injuries back in those days? I don't think so. Doesn't seem to me so. And I think we had a smaller of... group of players, didn't we? Who seemed to be pretty much always available. Yeah, and I think if they, you know, if they tore their hamstring, they just knock back a lager and get on with it. Yeah. Probably. Maybe um, we need to change, uh, who is it, Gatorade doing our our uh, rehydration. Um, maybe we should just get Jack Daniels. Maybe. They'd certainly feel the pain a bit less. They certainly would. And in, in the winter, particularly the uh, the foreign players, 
Think oh, of yeah. the Alexis, the Cazorla. You know, they, they, would, uh, they would feel warmed. Get a nice Spanish, Spanish brandy. Mm. That's not a bad idea. Yeah. I mean, we, we might as well give it a go. Nothing else has worked. That's true. The scientific <laughs> approach. I'm not sure that the cocaine thing would probably, you know, you could fall foul of the authorities there. I wonder if there a rule against players drinking alcohol. Is it against the rules? Certainly not performance enhancing, I can tell you from experience. Yeah, I did that once. I went to, uh, we had a, actually had a nice summer's day here one, one time in Dublin some years ago. It happens from time to time. Um, and I was playing five aside at six o'clock. And we were having a bit of a barbecue. And I said, I'll have a glass of wine. And had a glass of wine. And then had another glass of wine. And then probably the rest of the bottle of wine. Um, and then went to play five aside. I wasn't driving, should I? Uh, and the first thing I did was uh, run onto the five-a-side pitch. Someone passed me the ball, you know, just before we'd even warmed up. And uh, I kind of miskicked it and twisted my ankle. <laughs> so it's not advisable. No. But maybe I that's mean, a I- wine thing. If I'd been taking whiskey, maybe I would have been more coordinated. Perhaps so. Perhaps so. I can see, you know, a few defenders we've had down the years have looked a bit like they might have had a few wines before they stepped out. <laughs> Mikael Silvestre enjoyed a good Bordeaux before going on the field. Yeah, and a probably, you know, a big spliff. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. All right. Um, maybe let's leave it, I think. <laughs> probably for the best. It probably will lead to more injuries rather than less. Yes. Yeah, but look, they'd have a good time. Indeed. They'd Speaking of which, I'm going to get back to my holiday. Oh, yes, you do that. Um, enjoy the Enjoy the storms. Um, yes, I will. And, of course, we'll see you next Monday evening in Some the... Some of you uh, will see me, literally yeah. see me with it, your eyes. Yeah, it's, a, it's a sight to behold, let me tell you. It's a terrifying prospect. Oh, all right. Um, we'll have an Arscast, of course, on Friday, looking ahead to the Chelsea game. Arscast Extra live next Monday from the bar in Union Chapel on Upper Street. And uh, it'll be available on Tuesday of next week, that one, because we've got to record it and all that. So until then, take it easy. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. This holiday season, treat yourself. Treat yourself to candy. Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply.